We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in X's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Quarterback plays 100% about being smart, not conservative with the football. We'll continue to stress that and play like that. You know, and when we do, we're, we're going to be uh, we'll, we'll be fine with uh, uh, those types of decisions because I think you can't just go into the game and go into a shell. You've got to be able to to be yourself, go out and, and attack a defense, but at the same time being smart with it. And so I think that's the philosophy we live by, and uh, we just got to make sure we're focusing on that and, and living by that. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Rockpile Report Podcast. I'm your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And that interesting bit of audio there. Ken Dorsey, Monday morning press conference, buffalobills.com. I really wish you hadn't played that for me. Hey. I really, really wish that you hadn't. Because, see, I was in a good place. It's been three days since I set our Twitter account on fire. Uh, but also, that happening Sunday, today being Wednesday, just think of you being 10 years old, which I'm 100% sure this happened. You got injured. The wound, there's a scab there, and now it's Wednesday, and you're just going to pick it off and eat it. Because <laughs> we all know you did that in North Collins. God, I hate you. Oh, folks. Also, when we get to the end of the podcast, just to preview it, I do have a career Seagram's bet for you. Oh, boy. I can't wait. Uh, all right. I need. I already have a Montucky open. I need a. I need something a little stronger. We I gotta, gotta. I gotta come. I think. Are you are you home tomorrow at all during the day, or is your is your wife? My wife's home all day, every day. I'm gonna. Okay, I'm coming over because it's been. I think since the Pittsburgh game. Yep. When Scott, Scott asked from Nebraska, uh, we have we the, ate his delicious jerky, and yet I still have two of those IPAs sitting in the fridge that we could review on this podcast. I'm going to come over tomorrow and get those beers. As so you should so that we can do that. Next week and review Scott from Omaha's beers. I'm I, I find like in terms of comfort food, like I'm going back to Vegas as fuck by Revision Brewing that Kyle Washington sent us. Yep. I got a two fist for this podcast as we talk about it. Week ten, the Vikings thirty three, the Bills thirty. All right, let's let's get this out. Let's talk about this. Uh, we got the stats of the game for you. Kirk Cousins, 30 of 50, 357, one touch, two picks, four sacks taken, quarterback rating of 71.8. Uh, 
Uh, Josh Allen, 29-43, 331 touchdown, two picks, two sacks taken, 78.6 rating. Josh Allen, third straight game with a red zone turnover. Bill's offense, three field goal attempts from inside the Minnesota 30. One of them obviously planned as time was expiring to force overtime. But two others from the 11 and the 27 that make you go, hmm... I uh, take a look at this. I mean, what, what, what are we going to talk about? Delvin Cook and his 119 yards rushing, most of which came off one fucking play. If you take away his 119 yards, let's do, let's, let's do the myth right now. Was it a 71-yard touchdown run? 81. 81? It means he had 38 yards on 13 carries. So the Bills' defense did their job. In regards to containing that guy, Justin Jefferson, 10 of 16 for 193 and a touchdown. God. Stephon Diggs, 16 to 12, 128. And almost the best one handed catch of the game. Almost the best one handed catch of the game. Is that guy going to have, like, how many more is he, is he going to have that are just forgotten to history? I have no idea. I wish I could forget this whole game to history. I want to start with our tailgate recap because it was probably the highlight of the entire day for me. Like, Really? Because I wasn't there? Who packed the truck? <laughs> I packed the truck. And because I was riding solo, it allowed me to take a lot of liberties. Where things went, what I brought. Also, I tore down and rebuilt a fucking pool. Over the weekend. That's right. A kayak pool. I tore it apart and rebuilt it with my own two hands. Yeah. Good for you. So I wasn't, I I have to say, like, I always talk about all the things, like all the food I'm making for tailgates. And I'm like, I'm going to have this equipment and that. I'm going to have all this stuff set up and it's going to be a great time. And I'm going to put so much effort into this. I genuinely walked away from this appreciative of the friends that I have and that the tailgate group that we've cultivated because I was dead weight this weekend. I showed up with a cooler of beer, a grill that never got lit, just just kind of hung out. And yet we still put on a show. Maybe that's why we lost. You didn't cook anything. I don't know. I've been thinking about that myself. But it was a great time. It was cold. It was cold, but it was nice. There was no actual rain, right? Did How you? many? Let's get down to the facts here. How many people missed me? I don't think anybody said your name at all. God. <laughs> Not a single person was like, man, I wish Chris was here. You know who said it? I did. As I was, as I you was, were packing up? Oh, God, no. I wish Chris was here so I didn't have to do this. As I was looking around going, man... I'm really. It was probably about an hour before the tailgate was going to end. I'm looking around, going, "Man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, man, I'm gonna have to pack my own truck for once." Potter stepped up to the plate, did a damn fine job too. <laughs> Out of all the people, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have predicted Potter to correctly pack a truck, would you? I probably could. At least you know he's getting the praise he deserves. And he did it the right way. Yeah. Which is you put the alcohol towards the back of the truck just in case the game goes south and people leave early. <laughs> Steve Bose from uh, Bose Bossy. I don't fucking know. He was awesome from Texas. He, he He's the one who gave Iman all the Rudies. Nice. I got a great picture of uh, him handing Iman a giant party. Like he brought Iman gifts. You know, people bring us stuff. Yes. Trevor brought me a bottle of tealings. Okay, that's Irish. Yep. I used that, um, that's what I used last year for a apple cinnamon Irish whiskey yep. for Thanksgiving. Bob brought me a bottle of Basil Hayden. Nice. My new liquor cabinet in my newly finished basement is stocked. Yeah. I don't have to buy, you guys are the best. And it really does, it goes a long way because by the time I'm running around with all these kids, 
I used to be like you, Chris. I used to get time to go peruse a liquor store once in a while, just kind of at my leisure. Mm-hmm. I don't have time for stores anymore. Well, you live down the road from... Um, I know. From one of the better... Colonial. is nice. Yeah. Colonial spirit. It's over by, behind Taffy's. I don't have time for that. I in barely the, have time in to the, go with my haircut. Look at me. I'm, a, I'm in shambles. In the Tops Plaza, your now new favorite grocery store. Yeah. Who knew that... Who knew that a liquor store as nice as Colonial could share a plaza with a place like Tops? Yeah. <laughs> but so he showed up to the tailgate like his people bring us gifts. Brought Iman a party-sized bag of Doritos. Nice. <laughs> knowing, knowing about Iman's just ever going tirade about the price of Doritos. And Dan made his breakfast sandwiches. Mark brought an almond ring. It was just the the whole thing. And first of all, getting to meet Bob and just his wife and just the way thing everything went like We've cultivated a really good group of people. It was the tailgate that we kind of, after after how busy the last couple have been. Yeah. Nice 25-person tailgate. Just low-key, everyone hanging out, a lot of good food. Mark's wife made wassail. I don't even know what that is. Mulled cider with cranberry and orange and cinnamon. All right. And then she brought like five different liquors you could pour into it. Oh, nice. That'll warm you up. It was just a really good tailgate. It was it was one of those things where I kind of walked I walked in alone. I didn't go with anybody. I didn't go with a group. Potter went off with his wife. Trevor went off with his wife. They're not married yet. Dan, well, they might as well be. Dan went off with him. And by they might as well be, I mean, she already knows like when to crack the whip. And he already knows how to respond. <laughs> ah, I just kind of took the long way around. It was a nice morning. It was it was football weather still. It was cold, but there wasn't a cum- there wasn't no one was wet. Nothing was uncomfortable. It was a great day. And then the fucking game started. And then the fucking game started. <clears throat> Chris, I've walked out of a lot of fo- I want to start a conversation about this game like this. I've left a lot of football games. Now, people who aren't season ticket holders probably scoff at that. They're like, you you left a game early? You're not a good fan. No, I've just been subjected to a lot of dog shit. I've paid for a lot of dog shit. Or you're a pessimist. Okay, maybe I am a pessimist. No, 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 you are. Okay, hang on. A pessimist, Chris? Well, I'll tell you what. Here, to quote the late, uh, the late, the great Louis C.K., you've got to be, you've got to be optimistic to be single. Stupid. You have to be stupid. That's what optimistic means. You know, it means stupid. An optimist is somebody who goes, "Hey, maybe something nice will happen." Why the fuck would anything nice happen? <laughs> That's what it means to be an optimist. No, I am not one of those people. I think we've talked about it. My my thing in life, not just in terms of sports fandom, but in life, is that I go into every single situation expecting the worst outcome possible, and then I try to make my peace with that, because then when it doesn't happen, I'm pleasantly surprised. And if it does, I'm like, well, there it is. There was the thing that I figured would go wrong anyway. And even then, I wasn't ready for this one. <laughs> oh, no, I was not ready for this one. Oh, no. No, they drove me out of the stadium. Chris, never before have I watched a fumble from our... Like, I've seen the Bills make a lot of plays from our own one or two yard line directly in front of me in my seats. I've never watched someone fumble the ball into the end zone for a touchdown. That's a bucket list after a decade of watching crappy Bills teams. That's it. So, yes, I took that as my moment to get up and extricate myself from the situation. Just right there, I go, this is the most justified exodus I'll ever have. And as I'm walking to the mud lot, I get to the fence Like, I can hear from inside the stadium, first down, first down. Like, I can tell the Bills are moving the football with no time on the clock. And I'm just like, God damn it. Just end this thing. I I gave him a lot of room on that drive, like, 
to tie the game and send. I guess that's the question. How did you lose to a football team whose defensive coordinator is that bad? Well, it's what's the what's that saying? Like uh, prevent defense prevents you from winning. The Bills certainly know that. Yeah, that's they were playing a prevent defense. They let Allen walk down the field, easy throws to tie the game. Just he didn't take those easy throws in overtime. So as I'm walking to the parking lot, and this is kind of one of the, again, we talk about the tailgate group we've cultivated, the people that we find special. I love the fact that we continue to meet new people like Bob and his wife. The fact that Trevor's wife now is like, she gets it. (laughs) She's seen it. She's seen what this is. I get to the mud lot and I run into Bridget, Iman's wife. Randomly, she's walking around with a cigarette in her hands looking for a lighter. I was like, what the fuck are you doing out here? And so together, we go to my truck to sit in my truck. I'm going to start the heater and we're going to sit in the cab of my truck and listen to overtime. Oh, I was going to say she lectured you about gender ideology. (laughs) I hope she fights you the next time she sees you. So we're sitting in my truck and she's the one who's like, I need a beer. And she runs to the t- she runs to the back of the truck. And luckily, because Potter packed it so well, there's beer right there at the mouth of the tailgate. And she comes back to the thing with a beer. I've got a drink. We're sitting there and we're listening intently and we're going, oh, my God, they're marching. Oh, my God, they're marching. They're going to do the thing. And then we hear Josh Allen throw that interception and she, I don't know if it was involuntary, she just hugged me a little bit. And she says to me before she gets out of the truck, I'm starting to understand you and E better the more I watch these guys. It's observational. Well, she, she's, if anybody knows Iman's wife, Bridget, she's not, she's never been a football fan until she started dating Iman, right? When they met. I don't think she watched football before she had met Iman. No. So she didn't understand. She doesn't understand the tortured existence that we have, but she's learning. Yeah. She was here for 13 seconds. She's watched the AFC championship game of 2020. She's now watched us lose in heartbreaking fashion over and over and over again. And I'm not going to lie. Like I'm not exaggerating. The, even though it was just like a quick little hug that she gave me as she was getting out of my truck, like that, the only reason I didn't, like Chris, I probably would have like angrily, like I'm not talking about crying, like ugly crying. I'm not talking about like sobbing. The only reason I didn't tear up after that loss is because I got that hug from Bridget. She saved my entire day. She's the reason I was able to go home to my wife and kid. And even though I set Twitter on fire, which That's I don't gay. give a f- I don't give a fuck about. I was able to just go home and be like, you know what, Jack? Yeah, you're right. You and me should take this plastic drill and fix the fridge. That's what I should spend the next three hours of my life doing, because it's way more important than any of this horse shit. I love her. I thought that that game on Sunday, you take away the context of the Chiefs game being a playoff game and just look at how the game ended without the ramifications of it, Sunday might have been the worst loss I've ever seen as a Bills fan. I think that that was worse than 13 seconds if you take away the context of 13 seconds was a playoff game. I've never seen that shit happen before. The context I have is that I've learned over the last 72 hours as I've been piecing myself together since Sunday, because Sunday I was a man on fire. If it wasn't for my kids, oh, old childless Drew would have had to sequester himself in the basement like a bomb shelter for for at least 10 hours. What was that game when you got when you and Larissa lived in a. Uh, Cheektawaga, where I, I think you just came home and you were like naked behind the bar. That was the Steelers game where Kenyon Drake ran for 200 yards. We left at halftime. We went to Duff's and got wings. And then 
the Steelers just continued to run the ball down our throats. My friends left. My wife came home and she was like, Drew, you're, do you, I'm throwing in laundry. Do you have any laundry, like anything you want me to wash? And I was like, yeah, my clothes, because they all smell like fire from being out there tailgating in the parking lot during a winter game. So I gave, like, I put my clothes in there and put a bathrobe on. Well, no, first of all, I threw her, I gave her my clothes. And she thought that I was going to strip down, give her my clothes and go get changed. And when she came out of the laundry room, I was just naked behind the bar. And she's like, what are you doing? I go, what does it look like I'm doing? What does it look like I'm doing? I'm grieving. I was naked in the bar of my house. For Chris, take that. Take that version of Upset Drew and crank it up to 11. That's how I felt on Sunday. The reality that I came to is that there is no end to the list of atrocities that this football team will subject me to over the course of my lifetime. I'm still struggling to make my peace with it, but I need to learn to at least accept that. And if we're going to dig into some of the complexity of it, dig into the why and just the how or at least do our part, right? Because we're a part of this community of podcasters. You have plenty of people who have already broken down by this point in the week why the pass failed in overtime or how things broke down and how did Delvin Cook get loose for an 81-yard touchdown. Instead, I want to take it in a little bit of a different direction like we usually do. I mean, first of all, I I just look at it like this. First of all, another dominant first half that ends in disaster. Is this becoming a trend for this football team? Uh, I don't think it is. You don't think so, but what evidence do you have to the contrary? See, again, pessimist versus optimist. You choose to be an optimist. Me and Louis C.K., do you like Louis? You you think Louis is... Do you you or do you not think Louis C.K. is a smart man? Yeah, he is smart. Okay. So when he hates optimists... Specifically for the reasons you're about to rattle off to me, who who do you? I don't know. Because we have Josh Allen. That's all yeah. I have to say. He's got the talent. He can fix it himself. Okay. But you. But this is also the problem. Because I was thinking about this with you blowing up our our Twitter. I also don't know how that you're physically married. Because this is dumb luck. No, it's because. <laughs> Because in the context of football and everybody that's been listening to this podcast since we've been a podcast and since 2015, for the people that have been listening to this since then, they know nothing's ever good good enough for you. <laughs> Brian Dable, he fucking sucks. Get him out of here. Oh, trust me. I would kiss Brian Dable in the mouth right now <laughs> if you were to walk through that door. If you were to come in here and be like, guys, listen, I've decided to decline my position as head coach of the New York Jets. I want to come win a Super Bowl here in Buffalo. I'd kiss that man on the mouth. Yeah, I think you've, act- I think you've actively just come up with a reason to hate everyone in in the franchise. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I hate. I have what's referred to as reckless hate. Yeah. <laughs> reckless hate for a so lot of people and a lot of things. It's surprising. To me, that you're married because that type of person is the type of person that like finds anything wrong with a woman. Like, dude, she puts up with me naked behind the bar, <laughs> telling her, "Listen, I'll put." She goes, "Are you gonna put pants on? It's December and it's cold down here in the basement." I go, "I'll put pants on when the Bills decide to play defense." Yeah. And then two hours later, I come upstairs in a bathrobe. In a bathrobe, respectfully, because, listen, nudity, you keep that shit in the basement. There's no bare asses on the furniture in my house. So I come upstairs, and I'm now, because I had an epiphany, and again, I've been drinking for 14 hours. I come upstairs, and I'm teary-eyed because it's dawning on me that our children, this is hypothetical children, we're not engaged, we're not married, we're nothing at this point. We're just dating, and I'm living in the house with her. I come upstairs and I'm crying because, not crying, but I'm teary-eyed because I'm upset that our future children will never understand that the 1990s Ninja Turtles movie, because it's not available on Netflix, because I couldn't find it on Netflix when I was down there, they'll never understand that that was the real one. What they'll do is they'll find all the 2000s iterations with Megan Fox in it, and they'll think that was the Ninja Turtles. And it's all a fraud. It's all a sham. 
Those aren't the real Ninja Turtles movies. Yeah. Those are the conversations I have with that woman. And the fact that she still married me after all that. It's, ins- <laughs> it's insane how that that doesn't apply to uh, football. Because you just hate every- Brian Daybold. So- like, plus, you give it like no chance at all. You're like, nope. It's broken. It's never going to be fixed. Nothing's. <laughs> they went through this last year okay. with okay. the. But so, but, but so for the sake of conversation, let's start where you started. Josh Allen. You said, hey, the reason that I'm confident is because we have Josh Allen. Yes, I've seen enough body. Josh work. Allen giveth and Josh Allen taketh away. All right? And it's crazy to me, but that's what we're watching. The, the man is on pace for his first 5,000-yard passing season. Mm-hmm. When you look at the numbers right now, the 2022 Buffalo Bills, statistically, they're an anomaly. They're the number one in the NFL in yards, right? When you look at passing yards, they're number two in the NFL in passing yards. They're 21st in red zone scoring. Something here does not compute. How are you one of the league's most elite passers? And yet, when you get into the red zone, nothing but bad things happen to you. This is from Dan Feets. Dan Feets on Twitter. Josh Allen red zone interceptions. The last three games, he's thrown four of them. The previous 67 games, he has two of them. You keep pointing to this as, well, we're going to be fine because we have Josh Allen. Yeah, we do. Okay. Josh Allen is playing in between the 30s, the best football of his career. Inside the 30s, specifically in the red zone over the last three games. This is compliments of uh, Eric Turner over cover one. Red zone passing over the last three games, predominantly in two-by-two sets at 59%. They were on three-by-one set at 29%. Completions, four. Yards, 26. Touchdowns, two. Interceptions, four. Three of them coming in the fourth quarter. So that even provides an extra layer of context to this. Over the last three games... When you, when things get tight and the safeties come down in the box because they're, now you have a back line, you don't have to worry about wide receivers getting behind you and your safeties can join the play. He's completed four passes inside of the 20-yard line out of God knows how many attempts. And he's got double the number of picks in late-game, must-win situations than he does touchdowns. This guy is all heart. I'm not doubting him. He's, he's laying it out on the line to get wins, which is, Chris, that, that's what he's done for his entire career, isn't it? Yep. Also, if you're not doing it within the constructs of something intelligent, then you're probably just spinning your wheels, aren't you? You want to lay it all out on the line, but you want to bring a knife to a gunfight? Fine, go do that. Go throw into the defense that's actually ready and win. You heard Patrick Peterson on the Pat McAfee show talking about how his film study taught him that he knew exactly where that ball was going to be thrown before Josh Allen ever threw it. So I think when we get inside the 20, and I'm talking like right inside the 20, Josh has a thing about just taking it all right there from the 20. I think they take too many. Once they hit the 20, they're taking too many shots into the end zone. Like, just work it. Like, if you get it down to the five and have a five-yard rushing touchdown, that's cool. Okay. So this, this begs the question, why isn't he doing that? See, Chris... I guess it the also point, wor- the point it works. of this segment, people think I'm here to bitch. I'm here to lay out how the fingerprints of every single person who's supposed to be a pillar 
for this franchise right now that are supposed to be a big part of the reason we're Super Bowl favorites. Then it also goes to Ken Dorsey. No, their fingerprints are all over all of these losses, and it's starting to become pretty obvious if you if you're paying attention. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ken Dorsey. Let's talk about that because you, you, you question why is he just, hey, it's the 20 yard line. Fuck it. We got to go whole hog and get this thing. Well, right now, Eric Turner over at cover one has a great video breakdown. He's going to have a great video breakdown of all of the Bills red zone woes and what he sees is causing them. Now, today on Twitter, he was talking about it or earlier this week saying after charting and studying all these passing plays, I asked myself, what does Dorsey hang his hat on? He said for rushing? Mixed bag. But should get, he should get the ball in the perimeter more, more pitches, more jet sweeps. Chris, didn't we just two weeks ago talk about how the Bills get nothing between the tackles? Yeah. Nothing compared to what they get on the outsides. Yet they don't prioritize that in their offense. They still try to run this weird mix of like, well, we're still going to quote unquote keep them honest and run the ball up the middle. Fucking why? It's a lost play every time you do it. Stop playing to your. Do you ever see the Chiefs play to their weakness intentionally? No. No. Why are the Buffalo Bills doing it? Why does Ken Dorsey think he's smarter than people like, like, uh, like Andy Reid? I know I can ham fist this middle rushing attack. We need to keep the defense honest. It's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. So rushing, he says, passing the only tendency I can see are option routes and rail routes to running backs. And then the vomiting face. And he comes back and says, this is wild. Of the Bills' 17 red zone passes over the last three games, the Bills only used motion on 29% of the plays, which is five. Of those five plays, two interceptions, one touchdown, two incompletions. Like, like, okay, what are you doing as an offensive coordinator to try to vary your attack? Remember last week when we talked about the metrics and how it's like, oh, the Bills have thrived with play action. Josh is at his best when you allow him to incorporate play action into the offense, even if you're not actually a great running football team. Year over year. Play action has allowed Josh to thrive as a quarterback. The Bills still continue to flaunt that. They still continue to say, you know what? We know better. We're just going to drop back and throw. It's happening in the red zone. He's like, oh, I don't need pre-snap motion. (laughs) And then when I do, I'm going to make this a play that's so obvious because I'm only running motion 20% of the time. (laughs) And when I do, teams know what we're doing. It, it's ridiculous to think that this guy, and again, this is where I talk about Brian Dable. All the trash I ever talked about him, at least he was prepared for this. Ken Dorsey seems over his head. Is that because you had to buy somebody a steak? No. No, I think it's, well, I, listen, I celebrated that. Realistically, I think he's in over his head. And I think that these are some of the first. Now, maybe he can learn to get over the hump. 
But realistically, his offenses are too simple. His offenses are too simplistic. Defenses have figured them out within within a game. Chris, we have not scored a second half touchdown since Kansas City. This offensive coordinator has no variance to what he's bringing to the table. He doesn't. And then the worst part is he doesn't lean into the like, oh, we need to run the ball more and throw it less. Yes, but run plays that are successful. Don't run it up the middle. It's like it's like football for dummies 101. Someone needs to hand Ken Dorsey a copy of it. And I'm sick of it. Like, Chris, there's no fix for that, is there? I am. I am on our Wikipedia page. And I'm just going through our offensive coaches that we have on staff. Does anything have to do with our coaches? being young. How long has Dorsey been coaching? Five to ten years? Maybe, if that. Joe Brady? Five to ten years? Yeah. Okay. But, Chad Chad Hall, wide receivers coach? But, but I don't give a fuck. You don't get to waste what is left of our Super Bowl window. I'm sorry, when you were hired for the job, you were deemed qualified to operate this offense. Guess what? It turns out our offense struggles in the most critical area of the entire field. In the red zone, where you put points on the board in games that matter, the Bills do an awful job of it as of today. They do a terrible job. And a lot of it you're finding out isn't Josh Allen's fault. For as angry as I want to get at him, it's the design of the plays and the options he's being given. He no longer trusts. You know, I, talking to Elf, Artiaga, he said, I've never seen a team run so many simplistic routes underneath. You don't do anything to confuse the linebackers, so they just drop back in coverage. So Allen thinks he has to go to the end zone because he can't get intermediate passing routes. Maybe that's the problem. So you think we need some more experienced offensive I think what needs to happen is either we need an experienced coach or this guy needs to wake up. He needs to have a come-to-Jesus moment and figure out where the hell he is. I don't know. I just know that, again, another guy who was supposed to be a critical part of what this thing was this season, whose fingerprints are all over our losses over the last two weeks. I hate to do this, but i got to talk about Leslie Frazier. Because, listen, the defensive line played a ridiculous game. A ridiculous game, right? Yeah, you got to give them credit for the... Uh... The team, the Vikings scored 33 points. And the Bills' offense went to sleep in the second half. And yet it was the defense and the coverage unit that not only earned an interception, forced a punt, and a turnover on downs... But they played their asses off in a goal line stand, only to watch their quarterback piss it away with another mistake inside the 30s. You look at the numbers put up by their defensive line, it's impressive the work that they were able to do. So what, four, I, I believe four combined sacks, like 11 pressures, five tackles for loss. The defensive line was paving the... Look at Delvin Cook. If he didn't have that 81-yard touchdown run... He was hemmed up for 39 yards for the rest of the game on every other rushing attempt. That defensive line dominated what has been a strong rushing attack for the Vikings all season. I, I love the job that they did up front. And what I like is like a yards per pass on Twitter. He comes out and he says, one positive with all the injuries to the defense is that the Bills have found out that they have something with Ham- Hamlin and Benford. Hamlin is very solid against the run and the pass. Benford is great in coverage, still needs to get to tackling better. So obviously Leslie Frazier is a good teacher, right? Yeah. Okay. So what the fuck is going on with Cam Lewis? Here's a kid who you decided was good enough to start, right? He's good enough to start over Dean Marlowe this week. The veteran safety who you traded for a week and a half ago. Who's been here before who's been here before and understands the system and has played in this defense, you move Cam Lewis to safety. And I have to ask, did the Micah Hyde situation in 2021 teach you nothing? 
Like, you're in a must-have play. It's fourth down. It's fourth and 18. And afterwards, he's standing in his locker, teary-eyed, telling the journalists, like, man, I just got to knock the fucking ball down, man. I just got to knock that fucking ball down. Yeah, no shit you do. That's the job of an NFL football player. Instead, he tries to pick it off and gives up one of the most absurd catches I've ever seen in my entire life to Justin Jefferson. What I want to know, what is Frazier doing to make up the absurd talent gap between this year's Bills roster and the one that he's been overseeing since he was hired here? Because this season, we've talked about how great Benford looks. We've talked about how great Kyrie Elam looks. These are all great platitudes to throw around. But the reality is, is that without the talent we have on hand, things haven't been good. We're 0-3 without Poyer. We lost Hyde early. That's a, that's a tragedy. We haven't had Trey. Milano and Edmonds have been in and out of the lineup. Bruce Nolan tweets out, In 2021, the Bills were second in the NFL in defensive DVOA on third and long. In 2022, they're 28th. Same coordinator, same coach, but you lost three all-pro all caliber players in the secondary. Like, the reality is, is that they're coaching, it, like, maybe that doesn't play a role. Maybe they're not actually as good at teaching as we thought they were. Maybe when that talent goes away, what you're left with is a staff that has to learn you can't trust young players to just step up and make these plays in moments that they're, that they're used to these guys shutting guys out in. Like, not for nothing, when you rewatch that Jefferson catch, he's wide open. The player who's covering him moves off of him very quickly, prematurely, and Jefferson has this giant window. Cam Lewis has to close a lot of yards to make that tight, but all he has to do is slap the ball down. You'd think that after everything we've been through, they'd be teaching that to our D-backs from the time they get here till the time they're pros and actually starting in our defense. And Cam Lewis goes and proves otherwise. That's dis- it's, Chris is incredibly disappointing. And even the optimist in you can't tell me different. Hasn't Hamlin been good? He has been. Right. Unfortunately, they is that can't his, all be winners. Is that his talent or coaching? And when you're putting them out there in must-win situations, all of them have to be ready to play like Hamlin. Not just one. All of them have to be ready or else they can't be out there. So then it comes down to the player and their uh, mindset. Well, it comes down to what did you instill in them? You've taught this kid from the ground up. He was an undrafted free agent. He's been in this system for... He's not a rookie. He's been here for three years. How does he not know to swat the ball down on 4th and 18? Realistically, if he picks that thing off, he's doing us a disservice. We get the ball farther back. Mm -hmm. If he swats it down, we get the ball where they threw it from. How have you not taught your defensive backs that? That falls on Frazier. But also, it's not all on him. I look at Sean McDermott and I go, what are you doing with the secondary? You started Cam Lewis over Dean Marlowe? Didn't you trade for him? Because you trusted him as a veteran presence in your secondary. Where is he? Trey White. I keep hearing, I keep seeing these tweets like, Trey White, well, it's a team process. It's a team process. We're trying to figure out how to bring him back. Chris, I'm starting to doubt that he's okay. Yeah, I don't know why they're, they they're keep holding him out for games. I mean, we're at what, 51 weeks? Yep. Since the injury? So 51 weeks. You know, at some point you got to get, you got to get some reps in if you want to make a run in the playoffs with your best cornerback. But is he our best cornerback anymore? I guess that's the thing that we're all left to question, and it sounds stupid. I know everyone listening to this is like, okay, Drew's off the deep end. He's had too many Montuckies. No. What it comes down to is this. This guy is conservative to a fucking fault. Well, I don't want... We can't give Naheem Himes too many snaps. Himes, Jesus Christ. We can't give him any snaps. Duke Johnson was returning punts at one point. Yeah, I don't know why. why so why is Hines here then? Yeah, why did you trade for him? Uh, Dean Marlowe. In a, in a game where you probably needed a veteran presence in your safety room, you didn't dress him. 
But then the Chiefs can go trade for Kadarius Tony and give him right out of the have? Gator. Just like feed this guy. What do you have? Oh, like ninety s- yards and a touch. Six nine six catches, ninety yards and a touch. This coach. Then think about what you know about Sean McDermott. Conservative to a fault. You need a Democrat in there. That's what you the, want. But all of the optimists are going to stand here like you do and tell me, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I don't think it will be unless, like, look at this. What are we doing? If Trey White's not ready, why is he on the 53? If he's not ready to play football, I'm sorry, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, I don't care. You shouldn't be on my roster taking up a spot from somebody else if you're not ready to play football. Yet every week they tease us with this, well, this week might be, maybe, we'll see. At this point, I'm starting to doubt whether, now I think it's less physical and I think it's more mental. And that's fine. ACL tears take time. Uh, Takeo Spikes has been very candid over the course of his career about his Achilles tear and how that took him months, not months, years to mentally come back from. He wasn't 100% until he was already on the Chargers. That's how long it took for him to come back from his injury. If that's the case with Trey White, then he shouldn't be on our 53. He should have probably been added to the active roster, then then moved to IR, and then bring me somebody else. Bring me anyone else. Elevate Xavier Rhodes. Bring me someone. The idea that you're spending a roster spot on this guy and then you choose to be conservative with him. The Cam Dean Marlowe thing, I just, I can't get over it. This coach is conservative to a fault and it's costing us in big situations. And yet everyone shrugs at it like it's not a big deal. (laughs) Chris, we're in a bad spot. And I think the reason we're in this spot, third in the AFC East now, you look at it and there's no other way to cut this. Everybody who we thought was a was like an area of strength for this football team has their has their hands in the pot as far as how we got here. Does that or does that not bring you a little bit more to my side as far as being a pessimist goes? I'll come to your side if Josh Allen's out for the year. As long as we have Josh Allen, you trust. Yeah, and Josh, I trust. All right. He has given me enough body of work that I believe in his talents and his ability to lead this football team until he retires. (laughs) All right. Well, luckily, luckily, for as bad as we think we have it, and Chris, this might be my, this, this, this was kind of the thing that saved my week was thinking about all the people who have it worse than us this week. The worst! You know who has it the worst? Amazon Prime. Bezos. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Thinking about that when like the streaming wars started, we, f- we thought that Amazon taking Thursday Night Football would be incredibly profitable. And obviously, so did they, given the amount of money that they shelled out for Thursday Night Football exclusivity. And what did they get for their trouble? Chris, to, uh, to quote uh, Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park, man, that is one big pile of crap. <laughs> their game started well enough. They got KC in LA in a barn burner. They got a Steelers team being beat by the Browns, right? But the Browns look like they might be something, so everyone tuned in. From there, we watched a field goal festival that somehow went to overtime, one of the worst games ever televised with Washington against Chicago, and an NFC matchup where neither team had any interest in playing defense. What was that What was that Arizona-New Orleans game? It was like 30 to... Like 35 to 28? <laughs> yeah. We get pissed about it as fans, but you know who else gets pissed about that? Advertisers. Turns out Amazon told its ad partners that they would average 12.5 million viewers every single week. This past week, Atlanta and Carolina averaged 6.8. That's half their proposed total. And sure as hell not what they got paid to shill for. 
But I guess that's what you get when you're televising a pair of basement-dwelling NFL teams playing football in a hurricane, and one of them somehow inexplicably ends up throwing a pass straight up in the air while their quarterback is falling on his spine despite being touched by nobody. (laughs) They're probably going to get a boost down the stretch because of teams like the Cowboys and other metro areas that the league foists on us. We've talked about that. How the NFC East is usually the worst division in football, but they get the most primetime games just because of population size. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to get that, right? The Cowboys, the the Eagles, the Giants, they're going to be more primetime Thursday night games down the stretch. But the reality is that even with two shepherds weighing over 90 pounds, the giant bag that my wife gets left holding whenever she's done cleaning up the yard after them pales in comparison to the sack of crap Amazon's going to be left holding when their annual numbers get tabulated. And they're going to have to like they're going to have to approach their advertisers with that and have a conversation like how how do you justify continuing to pay what I'm sure Amazon raked in? Right. Yeah. Well, it's all about the strength of games. Think about what they they had earlier. What Indianapolis and Denver and then who's the the following week, Washington. And it doesn't matter because both games sucked. And, you know, how many people have prime? That also goes into it. It's a lot harder to watch a Thursday night football game now. Like, think of your mom and dad. Or, like, my mom and dad. You know, we're going to play New England here in two weeks on Prime. I bet you my mom and dad are going to have a hard time getting that game. And they have Prime. <laughs> They're going to have a hard time figuring it out. You know that there's a ton of old people that want to watch their team and they see that they're on Thursday night and they just go, ah, fuck it. I'm not watching it. I can't figure it out. I'm shutting it off. Uh, Well, it's funny. You mentioned someone in there that really kind of, he's my second one on the list. In fact, it's both of them. This week, oh my God. You want to talk about big, people who have it worse? Nate Hackett and Josh uh, McDaniels out there who get to play each other this week. The ProFootballTalk.com has the article. It starts off, the comment didn't carry the sense of resignation that it perhaps should have. It nevertheless was accurate. Asked by reporters on Wednesday about the number of close games the Raiders and Broncos, opponents this weekend, have played this year, Denver coach Nathaniel Hackett said this, Somebody has to win this game. (laughs) How fucked are you to be the coach of a two-win team playing a three-win team? And it's basically the test of who is the worst coach in the AFC? (laughs) Yeah, you'd want... You'd want the... Jesse Daniels has two wins, and he has Devontae Adams. You would want the Raiders to to pull that out because Seattle has Denver's pick. Uh, And that's going to be a good pick in the draft. What I love is that you think Derek Carr is elite. Now, think about all the reasons. Think about all the dog shit coaching we just talked about. You think that Josh Allen is the reason that the Buffalo Bills are going to be successful. You're like, I trust uh, because he's an elite quarterback. How come your boy Derek Carr, who is also supposedly an elite quarterback, can't carry them to victory? Have you seen their management? (laughs) Just go from the owner down, and it starts with Mark Davis's haircut and just trickles down, and it gets worse. The coaches they've fired, the GMs that they've fired, they're taking your boy was Alex Leatherwood in in the first round. Uh, taking Henry Ruggs, who killed a woman and a dog, and all of their failed first-round picks and second-round picks. They just cut Abrams, yeah. which means that they got rid of all of the first-round picks that they got in that Khalil Mack trade. Yeah, yeah. None of them are even on the roster anymore. Yeah, that's not on Derek Carr. And I will tell you, if we can get to the person that I think had a real shitty week. Well, my favorite's Dove Kleinman, right? Okay. Dove Kleinman I on saw Twitter that. says the reason the Raiders won't fire Josh McDaniels is purely financial. 
<laughs> they don't have the money to fire him. <laughs> I had to imagine having a dog shit football team. And then Chris, remember Being and, cash that's, poor. and that's why I got that's why I got brought to our attention. Kyle Trimble from Banged Up Bills was like Drew, didn't you bring this up when it came to Khalil Mack? And this is why they didn't sign him because they didn't have the money to put in escrow. They actually don't have the guaranteed money to f- like they don't have the cash to fire McDaniel's now, pay his guaranteed money, and then also still hire a coach. How? It's how cash poor you are. Who's ha- who is it worse? Raiders fans, Broncos fans, or the Buffalo Bills? It's probably both of them, right? Yeah, yeah. Let me get to this here. This is who had a shitty week. All right. And you're and you're going to go, ah, that doesn't make sense. It makes perfect sense. You had a real shitty week? Who? Tom Brady. Okay. Tom Brady. Yeah, okay, yeah, you won in Germany. That's amazing. However, you got divorced, and now Giselle is with some jujitsu jiu- trainer <laughs> you, you 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 how long did that take you, it took like less than 14 days you probably have already been going on before the <laughs> divorce was announced how 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 just let's just let me just say it out loud for everybody again you were married to giselle and she left you for rex quando <laughs> <laughs> I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna be able to unsee that in my mind. Like, yeah. Rex Quando. You think people make fun of me when I go home to Starla every night? That's him. Except it's gonna. It's gonna be that guy in a dojo yelling at a bunch of people with a picture of Giselle Bunchton on his shelf. Yeah. Your wife left you for Rex Quando. You oh, you shit. had a shitty week. Even Tom Brady has to sit there and go. Like, remember when he did that barbershop? Episode, yeah, yeah, with LeBron James, he's like, he's like, really, you're gonna, you're gonna keep that guy over me, that <laughs> motherfucker, and everyone was like, ooh, I want to know who that guy is. Turns out it was Derek Carr. <laughs> well, how about this? Turns out it was Rex Quando. <laughs> you picked that guy instead of me. I wonder if she's doing it just to piss him off, and also like, hey, if you come over and get tough, he'll just kick you in. The, he'll just kick you in your perfect teeth. I I love a good bit. You are a fucking genius. You're a fucking genius. I love you. <laughs> I love doing this podcast with you. Yeah. Well, uh, final thoughts. We will get to what I teased to begin the podcast with, and that would be my Seagram's bet for you, since you, let me pull up our, our Twitter, because you did tweet out that you're sick of Josh Allen and the O-line. They're both making a lot of money, and they do disappoint. All right, Uh, since you don't believe in Josh Allen, this is, when this happens, we're going to come into the studio, we're doing, we're going to do one show only. Okay. And it is a Seagram's bet because of how much I believe in Josh Allen. Okay. Josh Allen is going to get us Super Bowl, and when we win the Super Bowl... At some point in his career, we're going to come in here, do the recap of the Super Bowl, and celebrate the Bills' victory, but you get one bottle of water and only Seagram's. (laughs) You have to do the show drinking only Seagram's. I almost see. Here's the thing. I don't. It's something I want, but then I want to be able to enjoy that. I want to be able to enjoy that recap. That'll ruin it for me, and it'll also destroy my family because I'll have diabetes. I'll probably lose toes, fingers. Yeah, and it's it's not like a thing like oh, you show up with with the pizza. We you know do some pre production. Oh, do you have this drop? Put this drop on the tablet. Do we have this audio? Can you grab this audio? No, it's from the minute you walk in in through the garage and you come down here you get one bottle of water and you can only drink Seagram's we do one show recap the Super Bowl because Josh carried us to greatness and it might even happen this year we don't know this could be our low point it could be it could be you, you know could, what I'm going to consider that bet I'll consider it because the con- I'll come up have, with a counter 
I have to come up with a like a counter to you. Be- well, because okay. you don't drink enough on these podcast nights because you're trying to produce. So I have to come up with something that's an equal punishment. But, but I'll tell you what. I appreciate the energy you're bringing to it. We will consider this. Yeah. My final thoughts are that this team is emotionally exhausting. They really are. Probably what Larissa says about you. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. Chris, the things she says about me when I'm not home, when I'm here doing the show, I can only imagine. She's probably plotting my murder as we speak. In which case, if you're hearing this, I've already told her, listen, if I fall off a ladder, I don't care how it happens. I don't have to pay bills anymore. I don't give a shit. You get the life insurance check. (laughs) Sal Capaccio tweeted out today. The Bills since 2017 under Sean McDermott, weeks 9 and 10, he's 3 and 7. All other regular season weeks, he's 52 and 28. Says lots of factors go into this stuff. Could be complete coincidence, and probably is, but also just a shrugging emoji. Does that seem like a coincidence to you, Chris? I don't know. I wasn't listening to you. I got the Sabres game up here. To go 3-7 and seven through weeks 9 and 10, historically, over the course of five years of being the Bills coach, and then 52-28 and 28 across the rest of the weeks. What am I supposed to do with that? I don't know. I don't know how that keeps happening. Does it tell... like? Is this just some weird mid-season aberration that happens to to Sean McDermott every single season? But also, if it is, then why should I believe that anything's going to be different? Why should I believe that this season will end any different than any of the other seasons that have come before it? Am I just supposed to blindly trust that him and his staff will figure it out? That an offensive coordinator who has more questions than answers right now will find himself... I don't know, maybe you can call Aaron Rodgers and ask for his ayahuasca guy's phone number. I don't know. Or that Josh Allen can figure out how to make our offense more unpredictable in an area of the field that matters the most. That we'll trust that a team that hasn't been healthy all season, from one catastrophe to the next, one nagging injury that steals away a key player in a key moment, one disaster after another is suddenly going to turn a corner and go on a tear that takes them to the top of the division again? Just trust. That's it. That's all we have is trust. But also, do we have a fucking choice? No. All I know is that we have hit another Bills midseason lull for completely different reasons than anything we've encountered in the past. I don't know how Sean McDermott gets out of this one. It's happened to him every single year of his entire career. The Bills in the middle of the season have stunk. They start hot, they hit a lull, and then they ramp up. We have to hope that that's the case, but that's being an optimist. And as Louis C.K. pointed out, that's for idiots. So we just hope that what? That what are we banking on here, Chris? Do you know? What is all of this optimism banking on? You're going to lead us to the promised land. It's one guy. It's Josh Allen. You just trust that the most talented, the most physically gifted quarterback in the NFL can somehow overcome all of this and lead us to a Super Bowl? Oh, (laughs) I have to have a few more Montuckies before I can buy into it. But I also don't want to say it's impossible. I don't know. It's raw. I'm raw. It's a tough week. We're all going to get over it, and we have to, because it's a quick turnaround to what is going to be a like a very pivotal game this weekend against the Cleveland Browns, and what might go down as the worst weather Bills game of the season. Correct? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure it'll it'll get uh, any worse than what it's expected to be on on Sunday, in which. Also, uh, programming note, because we have Thursday night games coming up, uh, we're going to do the show on Monday, get all the podcasts ready before Thanksgiving, maybe a Black Friday review, 
You up for Black Friday? The Bills lose that game. It's going to be a. Oh, it's going to be. Now, Black doesn't do justice <laughs> to how dark it's going to get if we lose to the goddamn Lions, guys. The Bills better win this weekend. They have to win this weekend. In this week's AFC East uh, roundup, we're going to touch on all the statistics regarding. Now we're scoreboard watching because we're third place in the AFC East. All the statistics about who wins, who loses, and what these wins and losses mean for the Bills going forward. This one is pivotal. If they don't, it's a big deal. Go listen to that show and find out why. Otherwise, just stick with us for this ride that hopefully doesn't hopefully doesn't become a slow descent into hell. But even if it does, we will be here with Montucky in hand. Chris? We're like the guy riding the atom bomb in Dr. Strangelove. <laughs> no matter whether, for better or worse, this supposed to be Super Bowl season, it's got to end at some point. Hopefully it's with us on top. I'm your host, Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. And this has been your Rock Report.